Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. And I try not to be that picky on things, but when Mark Ruffalo jumped in the helicopter, fine. When he overpowered it, fine. When he used the rear propeller to blow up the garrison, was like, nah, okay, sure. And then when it exploded and the tumble turned with him inside as a fireball, then he came out unscathed. It was like, he had oh. blood on his head. <laughs> yeah, little, little cut. He's getting a faster for that, Coach. It was kind of funny when he's like there trying to say, no, it's all under control and half like the castle is on fire and there's complete chaos. <laughs> yeah. <It's> like... <laughs> I loved it. Hey everyone, welcome to this episode of Flixbox Podcast. Today I'm joined by Paul. Hello. Liam. Hello. Helen. Hi. And we're going to be talking about the last castle, not the first one, the last, the last one. Thank you, as always, to the mighty people for the mighty, mighty tunes. And thanks to Ben from Rockwood Audio for his awesome editing skills. Please do remember to write a review and rate us on Apple Podcasts and anywhere you can do where you listen to the podcast because it really does help us. And you can join in the conversation with us on Twitter at FlixWatcherPod and on Instagram at FlixWatcher. Hello film fans, welcome to Flix Watcher Podcast. Our guests today are Paul and Liam. Over to you please Liam to say hello to our listeners and tell them a little bit more about who you are and what you do please. Well hello guys, first of all it's an absolute disaster because I haven't seen the first castle so I completely <laughs> missed out, didn't realise it was a sequel or anything so I don't know what we're going to do about that. But I'm Liam, one of the co-hosts of Spotlight, the Star Trek podcast from a non-Trekkie perspective, been on a couple of times before so some people might have heard me on the show previously but yeah our podcast has been going Oh, God. I think coming up to seven years now, I think, which is pretty, pretty crazy. Mm. I think that'll be in September time. We literally have our anniversary on the same date that Star Trek has its anniversary because we launched our show on the 50th anniversary. Oh, there you go. So, yeah, no, and uh, I do also some TV reviews for BBC Local Radio occasionally as well. Nice. And Paul, who are you? Hi, I'm Paul. I'm a co-host at Spotlight as well. But the inception of that podcast, like, slightly different from my perspective, was I was a, somewhat of a lapsed Trekkie. Mm. It's slightly in the closet, and I think it was a, an attempt by me to force my friends to talk about Star Trek with me, and they didn't know anything about it. So introduced the concept of, like, can I make them fans of the franchise through the films alone? So 13 episodes seemed like, you know, a, a, you know not a particularly tall order, you know, and it, that was the beginning. But now we've got 
way more episodes than I could ever imagine. I think <laughs> we've done over 100 now, haven't we? We have done over 100, yeah. Yeah, and it's it's gone places. So what, we found Matt on the show before, as well as part of the Spotlight crew. I think Matt's been on a couple of times now. So what was it for yourself, Liam and Matt? Why are we not Trekkers, Trekkies, Trekkites, Trekadiculuses, or whatever you want to call yourselves? I mean, I uh, I had seen, it wasn't like I'd never watched any Star Trek or mm. anything like that. I'd seen all the films, but, but I'd seen them as a film fan first rather than a Star Trek fan. And although I like sci-fi, so it had kind of appealed to me, there was just something about Star Trek, a slight kind of disconnect with it that just never latched onto me. And it wasn't until we did this podcast that I came to really appreciate its importance and kind of, you know, just how unique a storytelling engine it can be. Yeah, and uh, now Liam streams I Get It into the Grand Canyon uh, <laughs> as, our, as a Gandalfini reference for us. You a Trekker, Trekkie, Trekkerite, Helen? Uh, no, <laughs> I, I've, I think I may have seen like some films growing up and then the next generation used to be on BBC Two at the same time as Tea Time, so... I used to watch that semi-regularly with dinner, but I'm not... I've seen, like, the reboot films, the Chris Pine ones, and they, they were kind of fun, but I don't know. It's a big commitment to get into. I mean, how many films, how many episodes? It's just... How many I don't, different series? I don't, yeah, I don't know if I've got... I don't know if I've got the eyes in me to watch it all. Yeah, I mean, we're currently on, I think, 11 different TV series at least, and 13 films so that is and each of those tv series some of them have up to seven seasons so yeah that is a that is a lot seven seasons of 25 episode <laughs> yeah That's classic like the cl- classic style 90s well. style yeah yeah <laughs> i'm trying to watch uh, star wars clone wars tv series ahead of uh, as we record this they've announced new star wars come out and it, it's become apparent that it might help if I know some more Star Wars before the series comes out. It shouldn't have to, though, should it? How much really? more can you possibly know? Yeah, I, that's the trouble. It's like they're filling the blanks with the Star Wars canon. Just like, you know, yeah, just, you know, that bit where they just popped out the, the door there. We're going to make a whole spin off show about that. So it's like, you wouldn't believe the adventure they had going to the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> is this a soaker that you're trying to get yeah. rid of? ready for well i mean i'd say in terms of clone wars just ignore the cgi show and just watch jenday tartakovsky's amazing like three minute clone wars animations they're absolutely incredible but ahsoka's not in them i don't think so i'm happy watching clone wars and and think but i I was put off by the 20 plus episode season i was like come on guys anyway we're not talking (laughs) about tv shows ahsoka star wars related obviously there's a tangential link to uh, more than tangential link to star trek because that's where you guys come from but we're here to talk about the last castle so the last castle was your choice paul can you tell us first of all why you chose it and then i'll get the timer and you've got 60 seconds you've got less than 60 seconds to tell us what it's about what happens okay so under 60 seconds it's gonna be quite quick to tell you but this kind of film straight from wikipedia portrays a struggle <laughs> between inmates and the warden of a military prison based on the united states disciplinary bar- barracks at fort leavenworth but maybe not as doesn't photograph as well as uh, Leavenworth. So this is a, in a castle setting. Highly decorated U.S. Army Lieutenant General, played by Robert Redford, is court-martialed and sentenced for insubordination. Challenges the prison command, commandant, a colonel, which is played by James Gandolfini, over his treatment of the prisoners. And after mobilising the inmates, the former general leads an uprising in to seize control of the prison. So that's kind of like a broad strokes. 
bit more nuance in it. Not too much more nuance. It is quite a straightforward, simple, simple film to follow. So why did you choose it? You haven't explained that bit. I chose it because I, I guess it was just, I was on a massive Redford kick a couple of years ago when I saw this movie and there's the Gandolfini factor. And I know Liam's like, just such a massive fan of James Gandolfini in his favourite show of all time, The Sopranos. And I just thought the combination... What, not Star about- Wars Next Generation? <laughs> Star Wars The Next Generation yeah. <laughs> a non-existent show no yeah I prefer The Sopranos over the show you just made up <laughs> yeah so I yeah I think it was just I just really want to chat about Liam I know this show's about just chatting movies like uh, so let's get into it yeah fair <laughs> enough so I mean we talk about Sopranos I mean James Gandolfini is The Sopranos he's known before and after The Sopranos is like is not that much, unfortunately, and we obviously we, we we lost him too early. But where is this in his Sopranos career? How famous was he? In- oh, it, Sopranos was a hit out the gate, like it was transformative and a phenomenon. So this is season three, two, well probably shoot just shot to moving into three, like the height of his fame. Like Sopranos is just well, it just gets bigger and bigger, but like it was already big. So he's going to be winning an Emmy around about now, you know, for leading a primetime series. So. You know, he's getting the accolades. I mean, a lot of people bought stock in Gandolfini in the 90s, you know, when he started appearing in bit parts in Tony Scott movies and Crimson Tide, True Romance. He's got, a, yeah. you know, very... He's got a great scene in True Romance. Yeah, like, it's unforgettable. And I think, you know, everybody saw the promise, but, you know, could this be a leading man? Like, I don't think until surprise you could have pegged that he was going to be an amazing character actor no matter what. But And so with surprise being a massive hit and probably taking up quite a lot of his time, but that he unfortunately was with us all too soon, he was taken from us. It's there are few and far between movie roles mm. for Gandalfini to showcase his talents on the big screen, and I felt that this is a probably one of the most high-profile or biggest sort of Hollywood epics he was ever in, and he's the co-lead essentially uh, opposite one of Hollywood greats. So, yeah, to, to give Gandalfini that platform, I think it's a good way to assess you know his his big screen persona. I've got to admit, I've, even though I'm a fan of Redford and Ruffalo and Gandolfini and Delroy Lindo, I'd never heard of this film. So when you suggested it, I was like, what is what is this film that's... I've got James Gandolfini. Okay, I'll watch oh, it. There's another reason. I'm ticking off every Jerry Goldsmith score that he's ever done. Oh, my favourite movie composer, and it, he does the score here. Not one of his best, but it's uh, it's on, it's in there, so it's got to be watched. What about yourself, Helen? Where, have you seen this film before? Where do you rank on Sopranos, Redford? I know you're a Gruffalo fan. <laughs> So I had heard of this. I'd never seen it. And I was surprised that it snuck into the noughties. It was a 2001 where I I feel as though it it crawled out of the 90s and just snuck in there. So yeah, I hadn't seen it before. And Liam knows that I haven't watched The Sopranos. And it's just, I just need to have some time. And I have said that it's the next TV series that I will watch, but I hadn't seen it. And yes, I do love Mark Ruffalo. It's far too beautiful to be in jail, I think. But so this is great that you've made me watch it because that gets me closer to completion on Mark Ruffalo. Yeah. Yeah, I'd hate to have seen Ruffalo in Oz. I don't think it lasted five minutes before he's like, <laughs> always holding on to like uh, J.K. Simmons is like, you know, <laughs> and Nazi, Nazi <laughs> violence. Okay. <laughs> I mean, this start, This is one thing. One thing I like about this. I'm interested about this film is that it starts off. Um, well, first of all, it's, it's like a military prison, so everyone's got has had a historic kind of rank to them, which sets it apart. Second thing is that it starts off like you typically have the the gangs, normally the whites and the non-whites, 
arguing against each other. But when Redford steps in there, all that seems to just disappear. He's like, there's no animosity, no racism, no whatever else there might be, apart from everyone's singly focused against James Gandolfini. And I found that like an interesting premise that this one guy was so hated by everyone in the team, that everyone in the prison, that worked together to, to try and oust him. I don't know, Liam, have you seen this before for a start? I hadn't seen it before, no. It was very much on my list because of Gandolfini, because I literally, he was probably my favourite actor, in all honesty, simply because of his performance in The Sopranos. Like, for a long time, I was kind of like, can Gandolfini just be my favourite just because of The Sopranos? But then I was like, you know what? Yes, he can. His performance over six, almost seven seasons of the best TV show of all time. You know, he he kind of totally proves it. He does everything for me within that show that could possibly be asked of an actor. And so, yeah, I've been hunting down all his kind of film roles as well. And so, yeah, I really wanted to see this. And yeah, I mean, I, I enjoyed it. I think the military prison setting does really set it apart and means it's something different from the standard prison movie because like you say it's the environment is very different because people aren't acting like they usually do in prison movies because everyone everyone's a little bit more civilized kind of basically there is kind of some animosity here and there but i think because they all come from a military background and you can get thrown into military prison for weird things you know they're not all kind of murderers and stuff like that it's it's, yeah different kind of atmosphere yeah these men are hardened killers as well like it seems to be a very hard place to sort of manage you know (laughs) i think they do make a grand lafayette like allude to that it's like it's there's not a lot of us and there's a lot of them and they're also all chained to kill by the most fearsome like army in the world so it does set things up really nice and I, i appreciate your point kobe about like the sort of the dropping of the kind of racial animosity of those things it just feels like this film is quite stripped out from all of the kind of subplots sometimes you see popping up in prison movies where everybody's got to have a little backstory or something else going on i think the unifying force of redford as a leader like a, a decorated leader you know and, and how revered he is coming into that thing just unifies that focus against kind of feeling without a leader they they're all over the place you know they're they're chickens i thought the i mean what do, what do you guys make of the reason Gandolfini, when when he meets Redford's character, he's fawning all over him, and he goes away to get the book. And uh, Redford's character is like, "This guy's a loser. He's not even seen battle before." And then, <laughs> that's it. From that point on, Gandolfini's the game against of him. chess begins. Yeah, exactly. it's one of the best moments of the film for me, and one of Gandolfini's best acting moments. That that moment where yeah, he turns up and Gandolfini's so kind of hero worshiping him completely. He says, "Oh, can you sign my book?" I'll just go get it. And he like goes up to get it. And then, yeah, like you say, he, uh, Redford slags him off behind his back. <laughs> and he literally comes in in the background of the shot yeah. and he hears and he like goes back. And there's this amazing moment where he just disappears into the other room for a minute. And you see, Gallivine looks like he's been hit in the gut. He really kind of like, you can see it's hurt him so much. And he just puts that book down, goes back out and everything's changed. And now it's like, we are enemies, that's it. It's such a good turn. I think it's good that it's something quite so innocuous as well. And it is a petty thing, but like, but for, it kind of sets everything up because you know that this warden, like that's what it'll take to push him. Like that's all it takes. It's just like his, her ego, his bruised kind of like person that he loves 
military history and this guy's just sort of like said all, all the things you love like you're not actually you're not worthy of any of this and i i thought it was a brilliant to start it small so it can build you know and i think that the game of tit for tat you know that, that gets it, it sort of escalates it's like it's a really good slow burn isn't it yeah you know it's going to tip over the boiling point's coming but it's just so entertaining watching these two run each other the, the wrong way helen do you want to talk about how it escalates well, I was just going to say, uh, and then you kind of have like, you know, it's coming that the chest of war tokens and trinkets gets smashed to pieces and his his sacred flag is stolen. And yeah, it all, all goes to pot. But you can you can tell that Redford knows him before he's even met him. But I was just going to say that, I mean, this film is pretty corny and it's a... Uh, I think it's due well, to the power what, what, you didn't, of Redford. What, you mean the, the carrying the rocks back and forth the whole time and everyone getting behind him? Was that? I'm not even sure they were real rocks, Kobe. I'm not even sure that was a real the... castle. <laughs> I think that it may have been a fake castle on a studio lot. I, I, th- I think it's the power of Robert Redford that I don't think there's that many people around at the moment that have his kind of star power because mm. he manages to be so many kind of like different versions of this one person and he also manages to carry the rocks really well and like he's super buff and he's got scars on his back yeah how old was he how old is he at this point i was thinking that i was thinking redford looks in decent nick (laughs) considering he must be getting on a bit by this point I think you would have thought he'd be in his like sixties at this Let's point. Let's check yeah. how old was Redford. His, you know, <laughs> his, his twinkly disgusting. eyes managed to win everyone over, and he, yeah. you know, he manages to win over some of the the more slippery kind of characters super quickly. And uh, yeah, I mean, he's just got star power. And I think if it wasn't for him, 65. 65. 65 and can carry those rocks backwards and forwards. <laughs> Pretty so, good. Pretty good. I mean, we're in an age now where age your your age and how old you are doesn't necessarily hold you back but back then it, it did more than it then. did <laughs> yeah yeah in 2001 yeah 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 so now we've got the kind of reeves you've got the cruises who were managing to but he, he looked really like in really really good shape I was like he looks like he's just run the 400 meters in the olympics <laughs> yeah <laughs> but it, it helps that first similitude of like this guy having a background mm. isn't it because you know redford has to shake off the movie star persona you yeah. have the trouble is he's Redford and everything, but like, you know, and I love him for that, but I also feel like, you know, this is a different role, like a military man, like he has to kind of get us to suspend our disbelief. And when he takes his shirt off, you're like, and he's got the scars, he's got that the body. It's like, yeah, even if he's like two years out from retirement, this guy is working it every day. His discipline mm. is there and he's got the kind of strength of will to like match that warden and, and beat him easily. Like he's gonna go, he's gonna go beyond him. So it becomes immediately dangerous like to, to the warden, I think just the way he he's, he's, you know holds himself. I think let's talk about a few of the. Well, I, I talked about in, in the notes other prison films. This is a war film, really, isn't it? As well, it's it's, it's the uh, this adversaries like dueling adversaries where they're standing off against each other, and that I, I took that to be more of that kind of film than a, than a than a prison film. But obviously, given the setting, you've got to compare against other film. Like the Jewish. You talked about Shawshank. Shawshank is obviously. Green Mile. Uh, yeah. 
I think it has a touch of actually, it reminds me slightly as well from a film around that time, just three years before The Negotiator. I was say that one as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. I think mostly because of Gandolfini and Redford communicating with each other with big walkie talkies. <laughs> so yes. I think that's the most, most of the reason. But yeah, I think Shawshank is definitely a touchstone for this film. I think there is kind of quite a bit of Shawshank style stuff in it, especially with Robert Redford's character has a touch of the Tim Robbins to him in it. Well, you got Gruffalo's character is a bit like Red in times that he's like, he knows everything within the prison and is kind of outside of the gangs and what goes on as well. And then you also have the kind of the people, the marksmen on the, on the back, on the garrisons who could take out anyone at on a whim kind of thing. And then you have the heads antagonist as well that people kind of rally against and the, the fake hostage situation with the letter is kind of that kind of <laughs> tricksy pranksy thing yeah i think it's a great sort of early way of kind of like getting to show his hand and kind of so this is a situation where bedford conceives to send a letter saying that you know to daryl lindo who's um, basically james Gennafini's boss who's already quite aware that his record as like warden is kind of somewhat patchy and this is a chance to humiliate the warden in the eyes of Lindo and potentially get his job. But yeah, he, he has a visiting, he gets to speak to Redford one-on-one in the cafeteria. But like, yeah, because he's kind of convinced the warden that he's going to be able to take Lindo prisoner or hostage, when he has no intention of doing so. But like the disproportionate response just puts like a <laughs> Gandolfini, like you know, completely red face. And like, uh, there's a scene outside, it's in a massive dressing down. And it's just... Yeah, I mean, you must have loved that, that, Liam, just to see like the kind of simmering uh, rage that's sort of having to be held in check. It's so well done, isn't it? Yeah, well, because it's a different kind of role for Gandolfini because he here he's he's not able to be Tony Soprano and kind of rage at all. It's it's all inward, like he's really restrained and locked in because he has to be. And even you know when he starts to kind of finally lose it at the end, he's, it takes a long, long time for he he's always quite pinched. And kind of, you know, not really being able to kind of reveal his his true feelings. And also another film, this reminded me of another prison movie, was Lock Up with Stallone, where Donald Sutherland plays the kind of corrupt warden. And that's kind of, again, the kind of battle of the minds between Sly and Donald Sutherland and that. This is quite similar as well. Watched that last week and I think, you know, it's on ITVX. I've actually signed up for the free trial to watch Lock Up. but the thing about that was Don Sutherland had like some really brutal underlings like some real psycho guards I think this is what this film kind of lacked was like Ganafi didn't have like a at disposal like a crack team of like you know well head crackers (laughs) just uh you know to send in add a little bit more you know danger to it he felt like he was I think that also works this film because he's like having to kind of rein it in he can't show his top he can't blow his top and show that he's losing control in front of all these people that what also sets it differently, where he's like, you and you have, could have a antagonist who's screaming and shouting and swearing and like getting in his face and showing us their true colours. I think that's also quite what makes this a bit of a unique film. It was kind of funny when he's like there trying. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
trying to say, no, it's all under control. And half like the castle is on fire and there's complete chaos. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I loved it. I, and I think, you know, let's, we should get, we get into it, but like the, the denouement, essentially the, the, the riot is one for the ages in terms of like prison riots on film. There are some great ones out there. I've got Natural Born Killers. I don't like that movie, but the riot is fucking off the chain. Brute Force with Lancaster, like uh, another great one. Brawl on Cell Block 99, Liam. Oh, right, we like yeah. that. Yeah, like that one. I'm still not seeing like, that. I've, I've, visceral. It sounds a bit grim for me. Oh, hell. Visceral, it's all hell. But this one is so different to all of those, but it's completely satisfying in a way that you just do not get in modern blockbusters at all. So this is quite a, you know an awesome thing in 2023 to watch a film that is essentially quite modern, but has no CGI, but it's these are stunts being done with real helicopters flying quite low over like uh, lots of extras. You know, people leaping from things, there's clearly st- lots of stunt work going on and practical special effects, which are, you know, we call, you know, are being kind of conducted by, you know, real trained people. Like clearly, you know, when they've got a trebuchet, which they've kind of knocked up and it's flinging real rocks through windows. It's just something really exciting about that, that there's no kind of embellishment or digital trickery to kind of like make that rock break into 50 pieces and go through three walls or something like that. It's just, it's not needed because it packs a punch the way it, way it is. I like the way when they brought the, the trebuchet out and they're like, what is that? He's like, well, duh. Again, <laughs> yeah. This film, I mean, it's quite sad in a way. Oh, I don't know if sad is the right word. That we didn't see the final dressing down that Delroy Lindo was going to give Gandolfini because he said, I'm, I'll be there in 20 minutes. I was like, okay, well, I'd love to see what's going to happen in 20 minutes. And then he just... Oh, yeah. well, it was going to be more than a dressing down, Kobe, because <laughs> well, he, exactly. had, he had the cuffs slapped on him at the end. At the That's the thing. It's like at the end, he literally has the handcuffs put on him. Yeah. So he's under arrest. He's going to be inside. It wasn't Linda that did it. It was, it was his second in command. Yeah, yeah, it was second in command. Maybe deleted scene, maybe. There's a yeah. deleted scene out there somewhere. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree that it was like, it, w- it was quite an abrupt ending. But yeah, what I wanted to see was him being in that prison. Like, I wouldn't see him end up, because, like, he's... I mean, I, th- I would have thought that would be a bit too corny, the actual <laughs> being in the prison, but definitely, like, Lindo taking him away, maybe, I don't know, the next day, I just wanted to see him being, feeling like a, a small child now, you know, he's, <laughs> after he's lost his bottle. Guys, is there anything else I want to say before we head to the scores? I was just going to say that there was one moment where, you know, I was perfectly happy to go along with a lot of things, but there's one scene where they managed to like fake a fight and then the guards disappear for like 20 minutes. It's just a bit like, hang on, <laughs> hang on. But they locked him out. They would not have left <laughs> an entire prison at mealtime without a single guard. Yeah, I think there's a lot of like suspensionist belief that's required to take. I think the fact that they, it is a military prison and you, you're kind of expecting just to, you know, just be good, okay? Like, we're all here to do our time. Uh, I think the fact it's a bit lax in terms of security like, does kind of like play into its own its own sort of world setting. The world building has been established. It just feels like there's an honour system here, you know, yeah, beyond. Yeah. And, you know, he's, that's going to come back to buy it. <laughs> yeah. the thing, the, the thing I took most umbrage over and I try not to be that picky on things but when, when Mark Ruffalo jumped in the helicopter fine when he overpowered it fine when he used the rear propeller to blow up the garrison was like nah, okay sure and then when it exploded and the tumble turned with him inside as a fireball and then he came out unscathed was like he had on. blood on his head <laughs> yeah he had a little, little cut he's getting a faster for that coach like, yeah. oh. satisfying explosion <laughs> though hey yeah yeah 
some amazing practical effects. One thing I was going to say just before we go to the scores was I thought it was really clever that they hold back the reason why Robert Redford is in prison until like halfway through when Gandolfini reveals it because it's like his chump card to basically turn the other prisoners against him and say, hey, you know, this guy you think is so great, well, he got eight of his men killed and it was his fault. And because by that, uh, up to that point, we don't know why he's actually in the prison. And that's an interest. You are kind of wondering, oh, why is he there? Kind of thing that, you know, and when he reveals that, you're like, holy shit, because not only does it kind of put his whole plan at risk, but it also as an audience, I must say, I, it made me think, like, I was like, is Redford just a bit nuts? Like in this, is he actually someone we can really trust or is he just a bit crazy? Uh, I thought that was interesting. Yeah, and I think that still remains unanswered at the end. Because like, yeah, he's, I agree. he's put everybody in jeopardy to kind of like get this one last victory. You know, he's doing it again. I think that's great that it's a sort of, he, it, you know, he is the villain as well as the hero of this, you know, and maybe Gandolfini is right. <laughs> that's a uh, uh, what you could take right. away from it and I, I do think like you know in the world of GDPR like he couldn't have said that in front of all those prisoners <laughs> but rules are different then you could just get somebody's file out and just read out the whole thing it turns out he wets the bed too sir think of the DPA <laughs> well as we're now adventuring into European legislation I think it's time to head to the scores guys <laughs> I'm Sam Clements, host of the 90 Minutes or Less Film Festival, another podcast in the Stripped Media family, a podcast that celebrates movies under 90 minutes long. Each episode, I'm joined by a special guest who selects a movie to join our prestigious lineup. Past guests have included fellow Stripped Media family members Martin and Sam from Song by Song and Kobe from Flixwatcher and Dave from The Wire Stripped. Search for us now on the app you're currently listening to this podcast or join us at 90minfilmfest.com. Welcome to the Flixwatcher scores. All of the scores are out of five. You can have decimal places if you wish. And we will start with you, please, Paul, with your recommendability. I would say three and a half because this is very watchable. It doesn't ask a lot of you. I think it doesn't outstay its welcome. There, And it's it's also quite fresh to have something with this amount of you know, practical effects and excitement. Like, And it, does, and it basically doesn't stick the landing in terms of it. It just has a, a completely satisfying finale that you sometimes you feel about short change these days. So I'd say, you know, if you're flicking with Netflix and you've kind of, you know, the star power of Redford and Gandolfini, you know, for me, should sell this movie, you know, at least for a, for a one watch. I think it's quite... T- Paul, have you seen this before? Once, yeah. Once. Yeah, it's a recent, couple of years ago. Out of four people here, three of us hadn't seen it before. I hadn't heard of it before, even though both like Rob Redford, Mark Ruffalo... Lindo and Gandolfini is, is it just was it just something that kind of came and went or was it just something that we everyone kind of thought it's actually not that good so don't bother watching it and people went yeah me and Liam went to the same college and there was a poster for this movie in our media studies class <laughs> oh <laughs> so yeah I think, I think I remember that actually so I mean that's when I first heard of it I was like I did not know this was in the cinemas but there was just clearly they had a job lot of like posters just like well, this is a media room let's stick some movie posters up <laughs> so it made that list so it was always in the back of my mind that it existed yeah I think it just came and gone 
It just came too late, I think, for this audience. But the same year, Redford does Spy Game opposite Brad Pitt with Tony Scott. And like, that's massive, you know, getting those two together. Mm. So it just thought, I guess it's in its shadow a little bit. Sometimes films just get lost, don't they, in the in the in the mix, I guess. I mean, I saw the trailer for this in the cinema, so I was aware of it. I remember seeing the trailer in the in the movie house. But I did look it up and saw that it was a box office flop because it was made for a budget of seventy two million and did not make that back. So, mm. you know, I think that's probably maybe why it's not not so well remembered, maybe. But what's your recommendability? score Liam I'd give it a 3.7 I think this is a good thriller movie really different kind of prison film because of the military prison setting and I think Redford lends it that kind of classical kind of star power as Helen said I mean I think he's kind of, he's still got that movie star twinkle in here and you can see why a bunch of people would follow him like I remember that moment where one of the prison officers is about to bring down his asp on Redford. He just catches his arm and stops him. And he's like, you're better than this. And he's just like, yes, I believe it. I would be, you can tell he's, he's got into that guy's head. And at the end, he's going to turn against Gandolfini. And yeah, I think Gandolfini is fantastic. Uh, I kind of like their war of attrition between each other and the way it's set up as like a kind of character drama. And like Paul says, you just don't, you don't get films like this anymore that are made on a big scale, huge stars, practical effects about a film like this as complete original and not based on any kind of IP or anything like that. It's, it's kind of the last shout of a bygone era. So I think it's well worth checking out. Helen? So I just had a, a little bit of a look when it was actually released. So it was released in October in 2001. So I think it probably suffered from being released quite close after 9-11 and whether people were probably not in the mood for kind of yeah, that's that true. kind of film. But yeah, it does feel like maybe if it had been released in like 1996, it might have just done a bit better because it kind of feels a little bit like that. But yeah, I'm going to go with you, Paul, with a 3.5. I think it's very, very solidly in the 3.5. It, it's, it's, a bit, it's a bit ridiculous, but I had a lot of fun with it. And there's some good performances in there. And there's the, you know, there's, there's some kind of like funny jokes between the inmates. And yeah, it was good fun. I'm going to go for, I don't know why, I don't know, I cannot believe, guys, I cannot believe I'm going to be the highest scorer here with a 4.1. It's easy to watch. It's easy to watch. You don't need to pay attention to it. There's lots of stuff going on all the time. You don't really get tired watching it. I think potentially it's a bit long. Some of the ridiculous bits are like, uh, you know, groany. But Gandolfini and Redford, and we've all talked about how awesome Redford is in this. I don't think Ruffalo was showing his potential yet in this film. He's just another person in the mix there. Not even when he climbed up the chain to the helicopter. Yeah, but that's not really a Ruffalo thing, is it? That's, he's he's not. That's not him as a. What I think of, I think of him like in, like the kids are all right for me. That's like a, a, a fantastic like Ruffalo performance. I don't really think of him as an action star, really, even though he's the Hulk. I never think of him as that kind of person. But yeah, four point one. What? Yeah, good. Watch it. It's fun. Pete Boone score. Paul. Yeah, I gotta say, probably a three because I think a lot of its desserts are dished up on the first viewing in terms of like the twist with Ruffalo. The appearance of the trebuchet was me and my wife just went, 
fuck yes. Like, and, and she watched it again with me as well. We, she, was, she just watched it with me the first time. And it's not even that a couple of years later on, we're revisiting it for this. And she's like, I want to watch this whole thing again. And she, got, she gets a lot out of like Ruffalo's character. And actually she says, you know, he's, well, he's great. I think she's she's got the hot room clearly, but like she's also like, oh, look at the nuance there. I'm like, ah, just. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it's just for me. I just love seeing Granafini just barely contained rage and just that brilliant, yeah, performance of like taking that inward, as Liam put it. It's just delightful to watch, and it's just like such a treat to sort of see him there. These are little bits of his career. I think only Philip Seymour Hoffman like is probably. It, you know, these are some of the most affecting celebrity deaths I've ever had would be Gandolfini and Sigmar Hoffman, really, where you just feel like we've lost an artist. And so to be able to kind of see them here kicking, live and kicking is great. Liam? I'd give it a 3.1. I mean, I enjoyed it and I would certainly be happy with watching it again at some point, I think. Um, probably for the Gandolfini performance alone, just because I think, yeah, it's, it's probably one of his best film performances like we've said uh, although there are lots of i think he always gives a hundred percent in everything he's in like even if you look at something like terminal velocity the charlie sheen like action movie where he's the bad guy it's not a good film but he is kind of elevating it completely with his performance and i, I think he elevates things here and i'd happily watch his performance again so yeah and i think it's a fun movie so i'd watch it again helen it's over the two hour mark, so it's it's quite a long one. Don't know how many times I'm probably going to watch it, but if someone was like, oh, do you want to watch it this weekend? I'd probably be like, yeah, I guess so. Um, it kind of reminds me of like when you only had about five videos at home and you watch the same mm. kind of like The Rock and Conair and, and The Negotiator on DVD that you got. Yeah, that would definitely have been in, this would have been the lesser video in that in that person's collection, certainly. So, yeah, as as the lesser VHS, I'm I'm going to go two point five down the middle. Yeah, so I'm not sure when I'd watch this again. Like, I, I loved your turn, your phraseology there, Paul. It gives it all. I don't know what you said. All the desserts come in the in the, <laughs> in the, in the first sitting. Something more eloquent than that, anyway. I wonder if there's a, a, an extended cut to this that explains how they got the fire, how they made the fire bombs, or how they made a trebuchet and hit it without people knowing and how they hit things. I think uh, that's, yeah, but, but like that's would, would kind of ruin a lot of those kind of Well, that's what I mean. I think, yeah, yeah, I don't, I think, I think, I think if, it was, if it was made like that, I think this is certainly a better cut. You just want to, you want to be there with the, the prison guards and seeing, hold on. Yeah. Where the hell they made these together? I don't know if, they, you know, in Shawshank where they showed how Andy slowly scraped away at his tunnel. I wonder if they, maybe there's a, a catch-all where they can show the bits of how they put them together after the facts, maybe, but but yeah, I'm not gonna yeah, I don't I don't think I'm gonna watch it much more. Maybe another time. Small screen score. Paul, you said about the Jerry Goldsmith score potentially leaning towards a, a, a quite a good small screen score here. Yeah, I would say it's uh I just say like a four because whilst you know it is shot on film, it looks great. It's not like uh the coverage is good. It's got good wide shots. So I think if you're kind of like watching on a smaller screen you know, you're still kind of getting a bit of that impact of some of those kind of the you know, uh, shots and kind of the, the scenery they've done. And it's also going to be in widescreen. I think that kind of benefits from it. But I think that the geography of like the yard and stuff like that, it, it does work on the small screen because you kind of, you're never not aware of where you are at any one time, particularly as the battle unfolds. I think that's what this gets right that so many modern films don't, is that they try and bombard you over too many quick cuts, whip pans, put you all over the place. And here there's like a genuine kind of like majesty to how the, the 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 military tactics unfold 
and you kind of see each part of the plan in motion. And I think for that point, that all comes across at home. It, I don't think it needed needs the big screen to kind of appreciate that. So what was your score again? Four. Liam? I will go with a 3.8. Like Paul says, it's shot on film. This is a big screen movie from a time when that was a thing. And there is stuff in this which I think would look amazing on the big screen, like the big helicopter set piece. And as much as I, I think it works, I think it works okay on the small screen or the kind of, you know, small to large home screen. But he's just a movie that I'm like, yeah, I saw the trailer in the cinema. I would like to see the film in the cinema. So, yeah, 3.8. Helen? I don't know why I'm so invested in this, but I've just had a look. So there's at least 14 minutes and 22 seconds of deleted scenes. And there's an mm. alternate ending featurette if you get the DVD. So. Ooh. Mm. Oh. I'm sure that'll be on YouTube yeah, somewhere. So if you if you want to dig into that, so well, <laughs> Last Castle fans, like you know, uploaded it for us all to watch. Like uh, exactly five of us. I was watching deleted scenes the other day, literally like two days ago, on planes, trains, and automobiles because they released like 40 minutes of un- unreleased footage. Some of which is bad, but some of which is like, ah. sorry, Helen, small screen score. Small screen score a five. I think this is perfect for home viewing. I I don't want to watch it on a big screen. <laughs> what if it was a Pinchot cinema, Con Air, The Rock, something else of that genre, and that was part of that was sandwich in the middle? Would you go and get uh, Five Guys at that point, or would you stay in that and Five stick it Guys out? near there is just chaotic. Like it would take you to. <laughs> you have to hit it at the right time. You have to hit it at the right time. No, it's it's not enough to get me to, out of my comfy chair, comfy sofa with the cat. Helen, what if there was a Ruffalo Q&A in person alongside the film? Then, yeah, because it would be Mark Ruffalo. <laughs> that, that breaks you. That's the thing that's going to get you to go. Okay. I takes it down to 4.95. <laughs> the Ruffalo factor. I'm going to go 4.5. Can't see myself watching the cinema. I thought it was great on the, on the iPad as I watched it this time. Engagement score. Paul. Yeah, I would say this is a high engagement score. I'm going to say a 4.8 because you get your two titans meeting pretty much out the gate. Like, And you also get a bit of exposition to, delivered in a very effective and economical way by Gandolfini talking about who he is, you know, that the way they're going to greet him. He's going to be just like any other prisoner. And yeah, I just think that kind of like sets it up really nicely that you're kind of like, you don't have to wait around for the kind of the two big guys to meet. And uh, the, the game is set. Liam? I would go with a 4.7, really high, to be honest, because this is the first time I'd ever seen it. And I was really engaged throughout, even though I gave the film three and a half stars and a heart, little heart, on Letterboxd. In terms of engagement, I was completely enveloped in it. I was compelled by the film. I was really, really enjoying it. I found it exciting. So, yeah, 4.7. Helen? I'm going to go a little bit lower. So I'm going to go for a solid four. I had to watch this across two sittings. So I can always tell if I'm like super engaged, then I like battle on through for the whatever the reasons are to to continue watching. But this I was like, oh, I've watched about an hour. Yep, I can stop and catch the other hour up again when I'm traveling again. So yeah, it's a good solid four. Yeah, I had no idea where this one was going. So it kept me in it all the way through. And I like the different, there's kind of a few checkpoints like when Robert Redford first is in the, in the yard and he stood like solitary like to attention whilst there's a fight going on 
And then I was like, is he going to, is he going to join the, the guys? What's going to happen? And each time there's a step, there's another step, there's another step that, and the pivotal point when he decided to, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to take him down. And then you see the plan forming. So there's always something, there's always like the next thing that kept me pulling through, through the film. So uh, 4.5, that gives an overall score of 3.79375. Yeah. Decent, decent. Paul and Liam, can you tell everyone where we can find you online? You remind everyone about Spotlight and yeah, say goodbye to listeners. Yeah, you can find Spotlight at Spotlight Pod on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. I'm on Twitter as well, at Liam H. Dempsey on there. And yeah, you can find me by listening to Spotlight. We cover a lot more than just Star Trek. We go all over the place covering anything that can be tangentially connected to the star trek universe pretty much so we're about to probably have recently released an episode on the new dungeons and dragons film because it stars chris pine and we will be covering all the new star trek shows as they come out as well we've been catching up with them so we've got Picard season three coming very soon which we're all very excited about and lots more besides awesome Paul, do you want to say anything, or do we just say goodbye at this point? I salute you, and we'll move on. That's not, you're not allowed to salute in this podcast. You have to do that strange head thing. I, I, we didn't touch on it, but I was just the, the scene where like Gallifrey comes to his cell, and like Redford says, "No, that's not enough. I, I need your recognition." Is my favourite like middle <laughs> mid section scene. If you think about the mid mid movie lag, you know where it kind of like goes a bit stale. That scene is the injection in the arm the movie needed. And I just. I think that must have brought a smile to your face, Liam. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just, it's just saying he's just I, like, I, better, I need I your reservation my on my desk by 5pm. <laughs> by my desk, I mean myself. <laughs> <laughs> on that bombshell, guys. Thank you very much. Thanks for coming on. Bye. 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 Enjoyed this episode of Flixwatcher Podcast? Why not leave us a five-star review on iTunes? You can also follow us at FlixwatcherPod on Twitter and we're at Flixwatcher on Instagram. Thanks as always to the mighty people for their mighty, mighty tunes and Rockwood Audio's editing skills. If you're looking to get your podcast edited as sweet as this, get in touch with Rockwood, R-O-K-K Wood Audio. Tell them Flixwatcher sent you. just heard a stripped media production.